John and I usually go in the uh, office there and we pray before service and, uh, and just try to you know, focus in on what God has for us today. And, and I, I really enjoy that. But he started off with a, a phrase that kind of got me shaking a bit. He goes, wow, you're uh, tackling something pretty big here. And I said, oh, yeah. He goes, yeah, Proverbs 31, good luck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, John. Let's pray. <laughs> yep. Um, as you see in the title, the ideal woman and all that, it just, it just, you come here and you're going, great, okay, that's, that's wonderful. You're going to get judged. But no, you're not. You're not going to get judged. I trust that you're going to be encouraged and challenged. We all need to be challenged. We all need to be growing in, in the Lord. And so since this is Mother's Day, I'd like to take a few moments and talk about the ideal woman. Now, what is the ideal woman like? Uh, you'll get a variety of answers to that question. And I must apologize again to all men out there, but I was the one who got the ideal woman. Sorry, <laughs> she's taken. Her name's Becky. And I, she downstairs doing nursery? Rats. Becky, if you can hear me, can I watch the Blazer game now? That I said that? Anyway. Some say the ideal woman is a woman who will obey your every whim, wait on your hand, wait on your hand and foot, and literally worship the ground you walk on, right? I think the word for this is male chauvinism. <laughs> Others say the ideal woman can do the work of two men. And if women are prime ministers and presidents, wars would end, unemployment would be eliminated, and world hunger would be a thing of the past. I think the word for this is neo-feminism, I think. But the truth falls somewhere in between these two extremes. You don't have to look very far to find a description of the ideal woman. If you have a Bible, you can find it pretty quickly in Proverbs 31. I encourage you to turn there if you haven't yet. Her description is found there in that chapter. Maybe you've, you've been there before, you've visited that before. Guys, I trust you visited but did not read it to her in condemnation. Um, but uh, you read it as well, too, because there's a part you play in this as well. But uh, Proverbs 31, found there next to Psalms, all of those Psalms there in the Old Testament. And this proverb is God's description of the ideal woman. And God isn't a chauvinist. He is our creator, obviously. And ladies, he designed and created you, and he knows what will satisfy you and bring fulfillment to your life. So you would be wise if you acquaint yourself with this lady and make, make her your, your role model, Proverbs 31. And keep in mind, this proverb wasn't written to make you feel guilty or place unrealistic expectations on your life. It was written to build you up and show you your God-given potential. So let's notice a couple things about the ideal woman. First, notice the person she is. Notice the person she is. And verses 10 through 12, we see, we see she is a valuable wife, a valuable wife. Now, ladies, this isn't to say that you'll never fulfill your role in life if you are single. I want to make that clear. The Bible teaches that marriage is an honorable relationship between a man and a woman, but the Bible also places great honor on being single. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 tells us there are some things a single person can do for God that a married person can't. So don't ever let anyone make you feel like a second-class person just because you're single. But if you are married 
or you intend to be married, then please realize that God expects you to be a valuable wife, like the woman in Proverbs 31. And do you know what made her such a valuable wife? Look with me again, verses 10 through 12. It says, A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth more, far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. So she earned her husband's respect by working with him instead of against him. What an example to follow. And husbands and wives, moms and dads, work together as a team. And they don't compete as opponents. You're on the same team and you have the same goal to build, to provide for, and maintain a godly family. You're together on this, working together. And ladies, you can be a valuable wife if you work with your husband to reach that goal. Now, I understand you might be working three-fourths of that work compared to one-fourth of the husband at times. Or maybe you're on your own on this, a single mom. You've got to understand, too, that God will give you provision to do this. Follow God's word. You will be blessed by it. So this woman is a valuable wife. She is also a vigorous worker. Not only a valuable wife, but a vigorous worker. A husband and wife should have a goal to build, provide for, and maintain a godly family, like I said. And they should work hard to reach that goal. Parents shouldn't be lazy. It's easy, easy to be lazy. Easy to sit back and go, you got this, right? Go ahead and take care of them. And, or, no, let's do this. And we'll make sure we, <laughs> who's going to do all those things. Um, next, going to take care of the kids. Don't be lazy in the parenting, especially when it comes to your own family, of course. The ideal woman of Proverbs 31 isn't lazy, but she works hard. Verses 15 and 27 Skipping around a little bit in this proverb, but verse 15 says, uh, well, in verses 15 and 27, we see that she works hard at home. She works hard at home. Verse 15, she gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. In verse 27, she watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Now, don't get lost and say, oh, I got to get up at what time? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, don't lose the principle here. The idea is that you, there's work to be done at home and there's hard work to be done, not just you only, but you are the one that encourages others to do so as well. You work hard at home. They say that a woman's work is never done, and that's especially true of a woman's work at home. It's always, always needed to be done. Do you know what the most damaging, uh, damaging? No, demanding job. <laughs> This is going to sound really funny now. You know what the most demanding job in the world is? It is being a mother, not damaging. That could happen, though. But being a mother and a wife is the most demanding job ever. Think about it. A mother has to be a nurse. A mother has to be a teacher, a child psychologist, a dietitian, a housekeeper, and a cook. It takes hard work to build and maintain a family. It's a lot of work to be done. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you're a hard worker. There's a lot to be done. 
Don't let anybody say, oh, you don't have an uh, occupation. Yes, you do. You got a job at home. And husbands, don't be lazy either on this one. Appreciate the hard work your wife does at home. And give her a hand, not a standing ovation, okay, guys? Give her a helping hand. She also, we see in verses 18 and 24, that she works hard on the job. She works hard on the job. In verse 18, she sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. Again, take it literally, you're going to be misunderstanding here. (laughs) She works hard on the job. These verses describe a career woman, basically. She is busy buying, selling, and trading. And it may shock you to realize that the Bible does not condemn a woman who works outside the home. The ideal woman of Proverbs 31 works outside the home and is commended, not condemned for it. And ladies, if you don't, work, if you don't have to work outside the home, then take the advantage of it and focus on ministering to your husbands and raising your children. But if you have to or you want to find employment outside the home, then don't feel like a bad wife or a bad mother. You're being a good wife and a good mother because you're helping provide for your family. So she works hard on the job. Verses 13 through 16. Look at those verses with me. We'll see here that she even works hard when she shops. (laughs) She selects wool. Verse 13, she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. That's commendable. She knows the value of a dollar, and she doesn't squander the family livelihood. Very careful in that. I've seen Becky go to stores. Actually, I haven't seen her sometimes. But she goes to stores, and she comes back with deals. Like It's like, what? you got what with all that? Very careful in making sure that uh, finances are watched, being able to, if something is needed, trying to get it at the best deal possible. I mean, if you ever had her shop on the, online for you, uh, finding shoes or whatever it might be, a particular thing, she gets it and she finds it for the lowest price. The ideal woman is a valuable wife, a vigorous worker, and she is a virtuous woman, a virtuous woman. Our society places a lot of emphasis on a woman's looks, but there's... There's more to the ideal woman than her looks. She has substance and she has virtue. Look with me in verse 20. Verse 20 describes the compassion she shows. She opens her arms, verse 20 says. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. Verse 25 describes the character she has. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. And verse 26 describes the counsel she gives. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. So, compassion, character, counsel, to sum it all up, the ideal woman is Christ-like. What an example for you to follow. What an example for all of us to follow. 
Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting to look your best. Please don't get me wrong on that. But remember, it's far more important to be a woman of substance and virtue, like the woman in Proverbs 31. You, you need to really get acquainted with this woman to ma- and make her your role model. You really need to see what she does and follow her example, and she will help you find fulfillment and satisfaction. Now, I could close there. We could be done with that. But there's more that I want to mention. I said there's two things we, we can uh, notice here. One is uh, who she is. The other thing is the praise she deserves. Found in verses 28 through 31. The praise she deserves. Verse 28. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. So for the most part, I've preached, I've spoken actually to to the ladies. And I don't want the rest of you to feel left out. So let me preach, I mean, let me speak (laughs) to the rest of you for a few minutes. The last four verses of this proverb tell us that a godly woman deserves to be praised. Husbands, teenagers, children, um, do you know know why we ought to praise the, the godly women in our lives? You know why? I'm glad you asked. Okay, let me tell you. Because, first of all, it feels good. It feels good. It feels good to be positive and to say positive things about the people in our lives. You start saying negative stuff, then you get yourself all negative and down and, and you're looking all Scrooge-like. But there are some people who just don't like to praise others. It's hard for them. I'm talking about those cranks and Scrooges of the world who seldom praise. and They kind of have an inner sickness of the soul that, that, that yields a criticism all the time. You get around them, they're just criticizing. Or maybe they're just complaining. Maybe they have sarcasm. It's all those things all the time. General joylessness. They kind of like the joy suckers of your life. I want to take such people like them and shake them and say, wake up, wake up. Sure, there's rottenness in the world. It's all around us. But Jesus Christ has made us more than conquerors, right? He gives us every reason to be positive and to be joyful. So stop grumbling. Get yourself hooked on praise because it feels ten times better instead of going around being critical, negative all the time. Try it out. It feels great. We ought to praise the godly women in our lives because it feels good. We should also praise the godly women in our lives because it honors God. Since God made the world and is at work in it, it's possible to praise Him indirectly by praising something He made or praising something that exalts Him. Let me give you an example. If you come to Becky and I and you praise our kids, we feel honored. If you have someone come to you and praise your kids, you, as a parent, feel honored. And that's the way it is with God. God created everyone. We are His children. And when we praise those around, those around us, it honors God. 
We ought to praise the godly women in our lives because it feels good, it honors God, and finally, because it strengthens godly women. Strengthens godly women. There are always temptations that pull us away from God. And we all need encouragement from time to time. We all need to hear someone say to us, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. Keep going. We were at the track meet yesterday and the day before of uh, districts track meet. And I could hear in the stands, I could always hear someone in there among all the people saying, you can do this. Keep going. You're doing great. Especially for those who are doing the 3K and the 1500. Uh, running around that track forever. Keep going. You're doing great. Keep at it. We need more of that. We need more people in the stands cheering on the godly women around us. When you praise the godly women in your life, you are strengthening their walk in the Lord, helping them to continue on doing that. I'm going to invite the worship team up because I'm about done, and this could be my gift to the women today, Mother's Day. Ending early, or maybe a curse because your your meal isn't cooked yet, or something. <laughs> oh, what are we gonna do? Worship team is gonna share a couple songs as they come on up. Let me let me share with you some final words. Now, God forbid that this should happen at all. But suppose your mom was killed in a car wreck this afternoon, and you had to go to a funeral next Saturday. What would you wish on Saturday you had told her today? What would you wish you could tell her? What would you do? And my advice, tell her before today is over. And tell her every day before it's too late. Let's not wait once a year to tell her. Let's encourage her every day. And what about you husbands? You know what I would say if I lost my wife this week? Why? Why did I get upset about such stupid stuff? Why didn't I encourage you more? Why didn't I build you up more? Why didn't I let you know how much I love you? There are some here today who don't have that opportunity anymore. Their mom is gone. Their wife is gone. And we've gone through those difficulties because we've come and we've walked that road with you. And it's been a tough one. But we need to realize that we need to encourage the people around us before it's too late. Don't wait until the funeral and say something at their funeral. Do it now. Do it now. We really need to live in the light of our dying. Death puts everything in perspective as some of you well know. Husbands, young people, children, praise her while you have her. I'm so thankful that I still have my mom. Even though she's at a care facility for the last eight years. Oh, man. It's been a while. And I go see her every day. I go have a walk with her, bring her M&Ms. <laughs> Help her as she needs to in different ways. Share a lunch with her on Wednesdays. I'm so thankful for my mom. She may not have led me to the Lord, 
But boy, she gave me some common sense, and she helped me see what was right and wrong. But I love my mom today, and I'm so thankful that God has given me more time with her, even though she had that stroke eight years ago. And I think also, too, we should have the same perspective as well, be so thankful for who we have around us. But praise your mother while you still have her, and you will strengthen her, honor God, and you will add great joy to your own life. Remember, verse 28 says, Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I ask that as we close in these last few songs, Lord, that you would continue to remind us of how much you love each one of us, but also too, Lord, how much you love how we praise one another. And Lord, I pray that on this day, and not only this day, but actually on this, especially on this day, as we praise our mothers, pray, Lord, that you would be with us, be able to have the words to say, and not just this day, like I said, from this day on, be able to do that. For those of us who have lost our moms, we won't see them until we get to heaven as well. Pray, Lord, that you would help each one with strength, and comfort and peace. And Lord, that you would remind us that we can carry on a legacy and uh, be that godly woman that you want each woman here to be. Lord, I pray that you would also too just continue to be with us as we sing these songs. And Lord, if you're speaking to our hearts in some way, Holy Spirit, sometimes you take the message in different directions that I even hadn't even planned for. You speak to our hearts, and I just pray, Lord, that if you are speaking to our hearts in some way, that we'd respond in obedience and say yes to what you have for us today. Lord, thank you for our mothers, and I pray, Lord, that you would bless each and every one of them. In your name we pray. Amen.